are simply having a wonderful Christmas time here on the Owls AmeriCast, Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with an American Accent. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro, and I'm getting into the Christmas spirit. Uh, although when my hair was longer, you might think I looked like Jeff Bridges in The Big Lebowski, and I do try to abide whenever possible. I am not a big fan of white Russians. However, I caught a recipe for a white Russian Christmas from the Sip and Santa pop-up, which is uh, run by Jeff Beach Bumberry, one of the uh, foremost cocktail slingers in the country right now who does sort of a, a modern tiki stuff. So they do a Christmas tiki-themed pop-up all over the country. And I'm doing his white Russian recipe, which is fairly similar to a regular white Russian. It has vodka. Uh, it calls for dark roast cold brew. My cold brew is medium roast, but it is a holiday blend. So I figured that would, uh, that would help festive things up. Uh, canned to sweeten condensed milk, cinnamon syrup, and it calls for ancho reyes. I don't have any ancho reyes in the house. I do have some high test uh, habanero infused mezcal that I basically use as a tincture. So I put a few drops of that in there just to spice it up a little bit. And I got to tell you, one of the best cocktails I've ever made. It's quite wow. good. So if you're it's uh, worth the white, it is. If you're, <laughs> if you're a white Russian drinker, this is a, this is a really nice variation on that. We have a really nice variation on a normal Wednesday podcast, which we're talking about a Wednesday win. And to do that, we have Patty Jones in New Jersey. Patty, what are you drinking? Evening, Jeffrey. Good to be back. Um, I have got a very strange find today. Um, I was at, I was going to haircut in this in a provincial North North Jersey town called North Arlington, and I went to this liquor store next door to buy a hairdresser, and it had the basic bitch offering of uh, lagers you could find. It's all like Modelo and like uh, Heineken and Stella and stuff like that. And then in, nestled in between what I thought was going to me end up getting some Guinness was this, which is like an Alhambra Reserve. It's a Spanish beer. Cabeza Alhambra is the, I think, the brand. And Alhambra Reserve Roja is the um, beer I got. Uh, I've never heard of it before. Have you heard of it before? No. No. I asked my, asked my Spanish friend. He'd never heard of it before either. Uh, apparently, it's owned by Mahu, which obviously is a bit more well-known Spanish brand. Uh, and it's very, very good. It's slight and malty, a little bit sweet, uh, a very good, like almost like a Bock Amber Ale. Uh, if you can find it, get it. Always on the lookout for new beer in New England. So New England, Al, Justin DeSorger. Justin, what are you drinking? Hey, Jeff. Hey, Patty. Can I just say, Patty, your haircut is excellent. Looking looking rather sharp. Thank you. Um, I'm, I'm sticking very local. Instead of Falmouth, I'm going one town over to Mashpee with Knuckabout Beer Company's Black Beach. It's a uh, imperial chocolate stout. Uh, it's actually pretty good. It's low on the IBUs. That's key for me. Um, but it is clocking in at a hefty 13.1%, which wouldn't have been an issue, except it took us about half an hour to get everybody on board and started. So I'm ready to go. This is 7.2%, by the way, too. So it's, it's no small uh, alcohol percentage. And like I say, I had one already, so. Well, we'll get right into it then. We have a Crew Alexander review. We have Wednesday news. And we have an Accrington Stanley preview. Seems like only yesterday. It was like a month ago. But we will start with the crew match. And since we only have one match this week, we will do our standard thumbs up, thumbs down format. Patty, your thumbs up is the system. The system, Jeff. We have a system. Isn't it good to talk about this? Uh, I feel like, obviously, we've got a lot of injuries. We've had a lot of injuries in the last um, couple of months. Uh, but we're still in a 12-match league on beat and run. 
and you've got to praise the system in that way. We've stuck with the formation. We've stuck with a style of play. Um, yes, it's been a little bit horrid at times, um, but Darren Moore has stuck to his plan. Um, and he's putting in players into this system uh, and they're playing to it, uh, no matter where they're put. Patterson was up front on Saturday. He was at centre-half the game before that. Uh, it doesn't really matter so much and it, it, yes, it might be a, a cause of the league and the quality we're playing against, but it doesn't really matter much. We're playing decent football. We're keeping teams uh, out. Uh, we're scoring the odd goal, sometimes more than the odd goal. Uh, and it doesn't really matter who's on the pitch at the moment. We could have uh, three wingers at, at centre-half, like we probably tried once this season. Uh, Saturday, we had one centre-half, one right-back and one left-winger, and it worked great. Um it's, it doesn't matter who we've got in the side, uh, who's up front, who's on the wing. It's working. Uh, and that's got to be applauded. It's got to be uh, Darren Moore that's taking the plaudits for that. And I think, again, it's shown on Saturday just how well um, we've... It was a slow process. We, we questioned it a lot at the beginning. But well, I thought you meant uh, the first half hour of the match, which was also a slow process. <laughs> oh, that was a slow process, yeah. But it's bearing fruits. I mean, like I say, if we, the, the train is slowly leaving the station. It's chugging along. I think we might get up to a decent pace uh, in the next month or so where we start to actually spanking a few teams. Yeah, I don't know if I would call that a spanking, but Justin, the midfield did perform quite well. I thought the midfield was outstanding. Um, especially the central uh, midfield, is, is, which is really what I'm referring to in, in the 3-5-2 we're using. It's hard to consider, you know, our wingers as midfielders per se, because they're just, they're covering so much ground on the outside. And, and we've talked about all year, our concern being finding that midfield balance. And I thought, uh, leaving aside the fact, and I'll get into this later, that, you know, Crew Alexander was crap. Um, our central midfield was so perfectly balanced. You had uh, Bannon as the ball holder, uh, mover of the ball, the, the possession guy. Uh, you had uh, Fizz as the guy who was, you know, really active and would carry the ball. And I suppose Patty and I will argue about this later, but Lewis Wing was, you know, breaking up a lot of plays in front of the back line and was able to move move the ball around pretty well, cover a lot of ground. And, and I thought that midfield balance, we just completely destroyed them in the midfield. Uh, we, whenever that ball came in the midfield, we took it, we controlled it, and we did a really nice job of moving balls from the midfield to our forward line, which, you know, progressing the ball between our different lines has been a real challenge for us this year. And, and I thought, uh, you know, even though our competition was pretty crap, uh, that was about as good as we've done that all year. We looked quite threatening uh, coming out of the midfield, and that was really nice to see. Yeah, I do think, obviously, we've criticized Bannon a lot this year, and this might have been his his best overall game. And, like, look, this is a, this is a bottom of the table, league one side that was not really pressing and wanted to play the ball along the pitch. That's it's set up for Bannon to dominate, but he dominated. Like he was, he was everywhere. It's this was a, a vintage Barry Bannon performance, uh, right down to the one left-footed pile driver he scores a year, <laughs> and uh, I think you have to tip your cap. Um, I thought Fizz was a little bit anonymous actually, but they like they did. He did what he needed to do within the 
within the structure. They were playing down the wings a fair bit. Uh, they were playing really quickly through to, to Gregory. Especially down the left side. Yeah. And Fizz was usually on the other yeah. side. So, no, that yeah, just to, sorry to cut you off, Jeff, but just to, I, I was also thinking too about Baz and just, man, like take all that aside. Cause you're right. It was lower competition. And but you, was, you gotta, you can only play the teams that are in time and space. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know how you scout Wednesday and don't put pressure on Bannon, but they didn't. And boy, was he magnificent. And that, that goal, I, I thought the best play of that whole goal was when there was that sort of, you know, he got jammed up with Fizz and there were two of their defenders and the ball popped up and he like scorpion kicked it with the outside of his left heel and just popped it through the three of them and took off up the field with it. Just a sublime bit of skill um, and really nice to see him, you know, get to have a game where he was able to dominate the way that, you know, I know he would like to and a lot of people think that he should. Um, and, you know, obviously after that goal, his celebrations showed how much it meant to him. He ran straight to the, the fans, which <laughs> caused some trouble, but uh, it, it was really nice to see uh, that performance out of him. He, he deserves all the accolades for, for that. He had a great game. I thought he was doing, he was mainly quarterbacking again, wasn't he? He was kind of a deep late lying kind of role where he's kind of coordinating plays from the center spot really uh it wasn't until the goal really that he really kind of did that run forward um but yeah another good game from bannon and that he should be doing stuff like to teams like crew i mean i think what one of the things that went for us and the reason why he might have had a bit more freedom was that their uh, midfield got a yellow card really early on in the game and he robertson i think got, mm-hmm. got a yellow card early in the game um and maybe he was the one that's supposed to mark him and just kind of like eased off after that one um but yeah um the captain uh, needs a few more of those uh, this season to uh, take us home. My thumbs up is Lee Gregory. Um, I was a little, I mean, I was fine with Lee Gregory signing when they signed him. A very sort of competent, reliable lower league striker. And having watched him, like he's not the most technical striker in the world. He's certainly not the paciest, but his hold up play, his positioning, his, uh, ability to win a header in the box. Just everything was on display in this game. Again, I thought the hold up play, especially when not much was really coming off of them early in the game was key. Uh, you know, he was that outlet. The ball was sticking to him. And of course, coming out like gangbusters in the second half. And how many times have we seen Wednesday go in with a one goal lead to halftime or a tie game at halftime and watch uh, the other team come out having made tactical adjustments and Wednesday having done anything and just kind of get run off the pitch for the next 10 minutes, but they came out, could have had a couple goals before uh, Gregory got that, got his head to the uh, Jack Hunt cross and Jack Hunt had a great game too, actually. I thought um, sort of within his, his limitations, he's a really good crosser of the ball. I thought his positional awareness was really good, but just seeing sort of the, the old hands do a job. Gregory's got Gregory might, he, I, I know they're talking about him being like a 20 on a 20 goal pace. Cause he, he missed a few games in there and he's got eight goals already as we, hit the uh been point of the season but it doesn't feel like he's been that kind of volume scorer but he just he just finds a way to put it in the back of the net he gets one or two chances every game his movement off the ball is so good whether it's to get himself open or 
to create space for other players. That's that's the one thing I've noticed that like I've known Lee Gregory, just seeing him around the leagues. Right. He's he's been around. But I, I had no idea what a what a smart player he is. You know, I he's guess had, I probably just expected a typical Millwall striker, like, <laughs> which is, I think is a different, little bit different connotation than what we've seen from him. Uh, yeah. He's, or he's a, a more complete Jordan Rhodes. He's, he's, he's I was going to say he's not, more. he's not quite as good as Gary Hooper. No, no, he's not. I don't think he's but it's the same cool. kind of, uh, you're right. You know, poacher, hold up play. Yeah. I mean, he plays, yeah. like, he plays a little more, further forward than Hooper did you know Hooper could drop into more of a yeah Hooper and covered a little more ground but no that's funny that was the that was the analogy I was thinking too maybe the best nine we've had since Hooper if that's what what Hooper was in terms of his movement off the ball but you're right Jeff I love that you mentioned the headers too because he's had a couple different headed goals he's had those little like flicks that he just sort of deflects to the far side he's driven a few he's just missed a few like He's been, he's been enormous. Uh, he's been a major part of, of their success this year. And, you know, one of those guys that, you know, honestly, you, you gotta, you gotta just pencil him into the lineup and, and figure out who's playing up top of him. Yep. So despite a fairly pedestrian to know when we just cover some thumb down, thumbs down and we will, we'll get right into that. We'll get right into the mixer. Patty, your thumbs down is Lewis wing. The, and look, we, we've got this format, which is thumbs up, thumbs down, right? And I'm, I'm playing along with it, but there was no thumbs downs really from this game. Everyone had a decent game. I was really nitpicking with Lewis Wing. Um, Justin's already called call me out on it. <laughs> I just think it was anonymous. He said the first anonymous. I think Lewis Wing was anonymous. He popped up uh, like in the first minute, had a shot on target from a good ball from Bannon. And then he popped up right at the end uh, with a some kind of nice pass in the 18 yard box. And other than that, he just kind of floats around. Well, uh, what was his what was his job for the game though, Patty? This is I don't my know. sort of pushback. His he's, job was to lead lead the team in tackles, which he did. Really? He 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 was the furthest back midfielder. And that's why I said earlier I thought the midfield was balanced really well. Well, Bannon was quarterbacking with that ball. Wing covered so much ground. Look at his heat map. He had the most attempted tackles. He had the most tackles. Um, he was tied for the most interceptions. You know, it, it's tough to, you know, it's tough to recognize in the flow of a game sometimes. It's a huge reason I look at, I look at the stats, but yeah, yeah I, I, I thought. I don't know if it tells the full story. I feel like his tackles are very ineffective mostly. So if he's getting points for a tackle, he just kind of like whiffs and someone else mops up afterwards. I didn't see him going into, he was very Pelopesi-esque in his non-committal, non-committal stuff. He kind of drifts in and out of a game too much. Yeah, um, I, I, I think you're harsh on that. I mean, he's not going to be Sam Hutchinson, right? He's not going to come in and clatter somebody. But it's also one of those things where, you know, if you don't, if you don't have to dive and you can just stay on your feet and positionally make the right play, you totally. might not look as spectacular as, you know, Hutchinson <laughs> sliding 20 yards to – Totally, and more for the wingers not diving at all, but also he'll kind of just try and stay on his feet and not take the ball either. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I'll pay more attention to his defensive work next time around because I, I didn't even see him really do much defensive work. It just I don't know, a bit of a ghost for me. Uh, but uh, I'd say nitpicking it wasn't that bad. It's just I find the thumbs down. Um, the other thumbs down I probably would give is Berahino for his eight minutes on the pitch. <laughs> that, that, that streaming forward right at the end where it was two against one 
he just it looked like he got no confidence the poor guy and he just dilly dallied on it for like too long and then played fucking Wundasin who was straight offside that was should, should have been a goal and a confident Barry that was Hino, confident Barry Hino would just take it on himself and put it in the top corner but no yeah well, that's uh, that plays into my thumbs down, which was I was not a huge fan of the subs of this in this match. Like, I know that they needed fresh legs, and you're probably going to get Gregory out. Corbineau didn't have one of his uh, best games, but he's always also a useful outlet, which they kind of needed when True actually started turning the screw and creating some opportunities in the last ten minutes or so. And it just felt like they kind of lost their their shape and the way they wanted to play. They never really parked the bus per se. It just they they just seemed like slightly off kilter. Um, and I, I don't know if there was a there was a better combination of subs available to you. I mean, you would have probably subbed off different players, maybe. But it just felt like the game went a little went a little sideways after that. Although you know, all is well that ends well. Uh, I thought Windows did well, by the way. So I, I thought Windows, Shadipa yeah. and Berihino rubbish. Yeah. Um, and, but we know that from the Harlequin game that all our subs are rubbish because they played that game from the start and we were really rubbish. Um, Windows, um, uh, there was a comment from the commentator actually saying that he's often found offside Windows. And I forgot about, about his game. But I don't think he can really be blamed for Berahino's fucking hospital ball again. I mean, he's going to make he's going to make runs <laughs> off the shoulder of the last defender as much as possible, right? He's going to try to break an offside trap or, or make those kind of runs. So that's good. That's going to happen. But he's also going to get in one on one a fair bit too. He almost had a good goal as well from the uh, follow up yeah. from uh, Patterson's header, was it? Mm-hmm. Uh, that hit the post, and it was only for the defender mm-hmm. filling himself in the way that he was denied a goal. Um, and he also hit one into side netting too into Windus, but. I, I like Widas's impact sub. I think he would be better uh, as a kind of partner behind Patterson, sorry, behind Gregory than Patterson would be. Uh, I think that's our ideal partnership once he's deemed to be fully fit and Darren Moore's very cautious mind. Um, but yeah, um, I think it was a good cameo for Windas, not so good from the other two. Yeah, I think you either you either do Windas partnered up top, because again, we're we're three five two. And that's what we're going to do. It certainly appears that's just what Moore has shifted to. Same philosophies he likes to have, but that formation. So if you do that, the question is who plays up top with Gregory? Do you have Windass up top with Gregory moving around or does Windass sit behind them in that sort of most advanced midfielder role? You know, either way, I, I think Windass is probably pretty effective, but, you know, I think that'll be something to keep an eye on going forward when hopefully he's uh, fit and not sold to a championship team unless they want to be stupid and give us 6 million or something. Justin, your thumbs down was the lack of killer instinct. Yeah. That team sucked. Like they were brutal. They couldn't crew. Couldn't pass the ball. They didn't press us. They didn't like the fuck were they doing? Like that was really kind of a pathetic performance. They can't take a penalty. I just, <laughs> Uh, just yeah the whole like they were awful and yet like the penalty was legit well no the penalty wasn't legit but it was, it was, it it was harsh but it's it was the, the letter of the law says yeah his I arm guess, was in a natural position i don't know i i thought that was dumb but even so like that's legit that's a one one game yeah if they can bury a penalty and then who knows where that goes. And the reality is, is we were, or we are, or should be 
that's three nil, you know, <laughs> Patty was talking earlier about hopefully now that this train is rolling and things are on the right path, the system or we're, we're plugging players in, people are doing what they're going to do. We should be smashing these teams, not, you know, yes, a comfortable two nil, but you know, a, a, a bounce here and there. And that's a totally different game. I, I don't, I don't know if we'll get to the point this year. I hope we will, but um, we need to, we need to be able to, to take these teams and, and batter them. We'll, we'll get into it in the, the preview, but the Acton Stanley game was another one, right? We're all over them. We're up three, nothing. And they end up making it three to two uh, and putting some pressure on. And we, we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be having games like this teams at the lower end of the table, these smaller league one squads with no depth. We, we should be putting them to the sword, ending things early and having relaxing, you know, second halves where we show that we're the dominant team. And, and I'm not quite sure we did that. Um, although thanks to Peacock Farrell, that's how it played out. Yeah. I don't like, it wasn't the best penalty, but if Bailey Peacock Farrell goes early or tries to read it, it, you know, the, the easiest, the, the most consistently scored penalty is the one right down the middle, right? It's just when it doesn't work, it looks like that. <laughs> so for oh, him and to those are two great saves. Yeah. We all saw the footage from behind the net. That was yeah. amazing. For him to Whoever read that was, and stay uh, home is that. a skill. It's the confidence the, to not dive early, like I say. That's, that's the mark of a good mm-hmm. goalkeeper. It's like, I'm going to wait and see what happens here, and I'm going to react to it. I'm big enough, I'm fast enough, I can beat it. Um, so hats off. It was fantastic. Uh, it's just, like I say, call him on it. This is this is a 37-year-old ex-Sheffield United striker, Chris Porter, who looked like all of those things. Uh, playing <laughs> the crew. Uh, wasn't great performance by Chris Porter, uh, and it was good to see him miss both, those, uh, both the penalty and the follow-up. Uh, but what a, what a wonderful uh, save the follow-up was. That kind of, he's very good at making saves look great, isn't he? BPF, yeah. that kind of like arch, kind of like fingertip kind of mm-hmm. save. Ah, beautiful. What, what a key. worked. One thing he's really good too is uh, on both this save and the one uh, last week is he's very good. And I've watched too much show Wildsmith, but he's very good at palming <laughs> a ball into safety. Like he really <laughs> gets it out of there. Yeah, he's strong. He's got big arms, yeah. big, big, Big long arms, big long fingers, very good. Is that a week I also, that? yeah, no, sorry to interrupt. Before we move on, I just wanted to make sure we gave uh, Kieran Brennan a shout. I thought he, was he had a very good game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah last couple he games just, he's just been quite good. Yeah, and he's played. Yeah. Did you see while you were talking about um, BPF and Brennan? You see Brennan's celebration when BPF saved the <laughs> follow up. Brennan was like, like, yeah, he was like, yeah, <laughs> it was so good to see. All right, that wraps up the Crew Alexander game. Now we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll cover the Wednesday news. Now it's time for some Wednesday news. Uh, we have another signing because Wednesday just won't stop uh, signing players. Uh, it's Kwame Boateng. Uh, I'll be honest, I don't know who this is, Patty. Well, he's signed for the N23s, but this is the guy that's uh, pretty much 23 years old, right? So he's, he's getting the mature side of under 23s. <laughs> uh, so much how long he can play for them. He's been passed around quite a bit. Um, Academy is in Bradford, uh, going on to represent Harrogate, Farsley Celtic. Not that's not a team, uh, Austin United, and then the uh, a few uh, um 
appearances for a couple of Welsh sides, so the New Saints yeah. uh, as one of them, and the other one was the uh, uh, the wonderfully named team that I can't remember right now. There's a ghoul. No, the ghoul's one of them. I think like that one that's like uh, ah, they'll come to me later. Anyway, uh, permanent contract. He's been on uh, playing a few times so far, um, four times for the young 23s. Um, and now he's uh, a full signing. So uh, more seem to indicate that he's one that might appear in the team later in the season, along with the uh, other guy that signed earlier in the week, the Oneng. Oneng, yeah. the other guy. He's an actual fullback, which is something that they need. Certainly. Um, so I mean, any defenders that can, uh, have got two legs and can walk at the moment is uh, a good sign for us. Yeah, central center back uh, depth. Sign me up. Uh, the Marvin Johnson experiment has been decent. Uh, some of the other experiments have not. Uh, let's get somebody who actually plays the position. I like it. I just, how do you pronounce this? Is it Geisley, Patty? Um, what? <laughs> a team, a team called Geisley. Yeah, in West yeah, Geisley sounds about right. G U I S E L E Y. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Geisley sounds about right. I do. Like, I do enjoy a team that's just called Ghoul. Their nickname is the Vikings. They're the Northern Counties East League. We'll find that Welsh team. Oh, Total Point Solutions. That's the one that's uh, the ridiculous name. Well, Say it again. Uh, I think it's called Total Point Solutions. Total Network Solutions. Is that it? That's the name of the team. Yeah, yeah. That's not my wireless. Uh, <laughs> it's like okay. I'm just trying to find it. He did actually play from the end, but um, there was definitely, I thought, they would, I thought he did play for these guys. They're called Total Network Solutions. I will find this while you look on to the next. Uh, well, isn't isn't Total type. Network Solutions now just the New Saints? Uh, ah, that's it. Yeah, they've changed their yeah, name. They changed the name. The uh, very clever. I knew I saw that somewhere. He's been all around Yorkshire. He's uh, Yorkshire he... journeyman. Farsi Celtic, Asset United, Albion Sports, the aforementioned Google. They play at the. Uh, hmm. The, the name of their ground is the Victoria Pleasure Ground. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Let me also note quickly, since we're sidetracking, that uh, a quick Google search of Kwame Botang feels uh, that Kwame Botang is the oldest of the acting trio of Hollywood brothers. So I'm starting to think that's a different guy. Probably. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know, I know we love a little, I know we love a little County's Cup talk here too. I will point out that Ghoul won the West Riding County Cup in uh, 2006, 2007. Oh man. All right, let's get out of this Wikipedia hole. Yes, we'll get out of the Wikipedia <laughs> hole and on to the next and on the agenda. Jack Hunt is in the team of the week this week for League One. Well deserved. We get a few of these, aren't we? Uh, almost every week, one of our guys is in the team of the week. Oh, and you don't lose in 12 matches in the league, Patty. You may have some it's good a, performances to it's, it's a weird thing to highlight. acknowledge, right? Yeah. Speaking of good performances, although it was related uh, as a bit of a smash and grab, uh, the under-18s have moved on in the Youth FA Cup, beating Southampton. Can I just a, quickly quickly uh, jump in on Jack Hunt? Uh, sure. The thing that I really liked that I noticed last game is that he was actually playing a little further back for large stretches of the game. We tended to attack up the left side, and and therefore Hunt would drop back more. Tends to do that with the whatever wing back is on the weak side, off the ball, drop back. And Hunt was fine defensively, which is not what you expect from him, right? <laughs> we, he's here because you know he moves the ball forward and he crosses it. But it's really nice to see and and 
well-deserved. Sorry, Jeff, because I, I don't want to take away from what this means for that victory for the U18s. I mean, it moves them. That means I'll move on to the next round in the uh, under-18 youth FA Cup. But they get I think they're on to like round of 16 now, I think. They've gotten yeah, but it, it means more than that. Like Southampton is known sure, for, their academy. for their academy. Yes. Like, I don't give a shit about smash and grab. Like, it, it has been a long time since we talked about Sheffield Wednesday producing players. The last couple years, we've started to have some names where we're like, hey, maybe this guy, maybe that guy can do something. We're starting to get a trickle of players coming up before we don't sign them to contracts <laughs> and teams like Celtic do. But you know, realistically, the fact that we have a squad out there that has some players capable of upsetting Premier League, quality Premier League academies, that's, that's a positive thing for the, for the team. And they will head in to face Preston in the fourth round at Hillsborough uh, midweek in January. So, And you can go for three quid yeah. if you're in the area. It seems like going to support the young kids. You'll probably get a better performance than the Hartlepool game. Definitely. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the three of us could put together better performance <laughs> than that. Uh, I wonder at, at what point, if uh, you know, the club or I follow would uh, put. Uh, I assume put there's rules up. around that that they can't. Uh, I would guess they can't broadcast it, but they probably like stream it on YouTube or something. I just don't think they could do it. Well, through. that's what I was wondering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I definitely watched. I've watched U18 games. Justin, U23 what, what in your history as a Sheffield Wednesday fan suggests to you that the club is well organized enough to do that? But the FA Cup people might be. Hmm. The FA people might be. Um, so oh, might... man, when, when we're relying on the English Football Association <laughs> to have their yeah. shit together. <laughs> Uh, but that's where we are. Mm. They're better than the EFL. Well, the English Football Association did not honor Darren Moore as manager of the month, but they're, they're like a curse associated with this, generally speaking. Yeah, and it's been even worse than the uh, League One this year. I think pretty much like two out of the last four have been sacked. <laughs> I can't remember who it is now, but I'll listen, I'll listen to different gravy podcasts or much better research than ours. Uh, but yeah, uh, apparently it's not a good uh, omen at the moment if you're in the manager month in League One. And it's usually a bad thing anyway. So uh, you just missed out to, I believe, uh, Danny Cowley got it in the end. Got some more hardware on its way to S6 as Theo Corbino has been named the 2021 Canada Soccer Youth Player of the Year. This is weird, right? Is that the place weird? Uh, like he's why is, why is that weird? He's got he got some goals and like the he's gold Canadian. cup for them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is that the only fucking yeah. bar? <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know he's Canadian. The... He's young. He's been successful. I don't know. Yeah. Name me another young Canadian, Patty. Uh, Alfonso Davis. Is he still young? He's young, I right? think he won like seven he of those. Scored, in a row. He, scored <laughs> he scored two goals in six appearances, uh, six full caps, and both of them were this year in the Gold Cup and in a World Cup qualifier. So, oh, so more in his international appearances than our appearances, I assume. Mm-hmm. I was just going on this weird to pick a guy as in League One playing every other game. Uh, as job well, Patty. Right, since, since, since I'm here and uh, Wikipedia, I can tell you <laughs> who's the current uh, current squad for the Canadian national team. 
And just look the at national it. team or the youth team. Oh, this, well, the national team. I'm just seeing if there's any young players on the national team. Uh, <laughs> I mean, okay. I don't know what the actual call, what the actual like cutoff is for age. I will point out that Alfonso Davies is 21 years old. <laughs> Again, he's won it for seven years. Yeah, he's probably won it the last five years. Right? He's best of the best players I ever produced. They, they, yeah. Oh, easily, easily. And you could argue that Canada didn't actually produce him because he showed up at like 14, but either way. I will say among the uh, among the other recent call-ups, uh, they called up a uh, seven, called up a 17-year-old who plays for Toronto FC. I think it's Jaquiel Stanford Marshall Ruddy. Uh, That's an amazing name. It is an amazing name. Uh, they have an 18-year-old currently at uh, Burton Albion. Who looks like he's gotten some run out for them as well. That actually I'll came up uh, Boxing Day. Who actually was a Sheffield United youth player, or where he's actually on loan. He's on loan from Sheffield United right now, uh, although he was born in Ontario. And I, the other eighteen, any other youth players here of note? Um, so but so Corbino, the, pool is, Corbino, the pool is small, essentially. Is what I say. Yeah, Corbino seems to have the most caps of all the relevant under twenty-year-old. Canadian players, if you really want to uh, want to drill down any further. Uh, Jonathan David, also 21 at Lille, who has... I didn't out. realize he was that young. He's fabulous. Yeah, prolific scorer for both uh, the Canadian national team and Lille. <laughs> Thus concludes our Canadian national team talk. Well, this is where your Accrington Stanley preview was supposed to go. And in fact, we recorded an entire Accrington Stanley preview last week. And then the next morning, the Accrington Stanley fixture was canceled due to a uh, COVID outbreak inside the Wednesday camp. Uh, I Obviously, since then, we're now on Monday. Several Premier League games have been postponed. The Premier League itself has said that it will continue playing games. It appears that the Football League will follow suit. and. I guess we will just move on to previewing the Burton Albion game instead, which is theoretically going to happen on Sunday. Would anyone, like to, wanna... would anyone like to update their cocktail since it's been four days? <laughs> <laughs> I've been drinking the same cocktail every day for the past four days <laughs> just to get through this COVID nightmare. We're in. Uh, I have got a Bailey's, Jeff. Mm. It's Christmas. It is. I put together a little holiday tipple of my own. Uh, recommended to me by Anders Erickson, who's a YouTube bartender, actually a pretty good account to follow to up your cocktail game, but he put together a list of holiday type cocktails. This one is uh, his own invention. It's called a semester abroad. It is a mixture of whiskey, orange curacao and fernet. It is incredibly strong, but it is kind of festive with the sort of the orange peel and mint kind of flavors. Justin, what are you drinking? So I'm actually kind of psyched. My uh, delightful wife made a trip to the new Treehouse Brewery in mm. Sandwich. Um, so I've never really had much Treehouse. They're usually a little too hoppy and they do that IPA battle. But my wife uh, was excellent and brought me home a couple stouts, but also got me this. It's a bear brown ale. And this year they've updated a little bit to be bear with a hint of coffee uh, added to the brown ale. And yeah, I think you guys know usually my response to my beer on here is it's good or mm-hmm. it's not so good. 
this stuff is fabulous. <laughs> and Treehouse is, you know, kind of a pain. You got to go there in person. You got to commit to buying a certain amount. It's it's an investment. But, you know, if anybody likes the beer, this is uh, it's a good place to go. And this particular brown ale is fabulous. So we're, all, uh, we're all drinking heavily on a Monday night because that's where we are. And we're also here to preview the Burton Albion game. So take it away, Justin. Um, yeah, so this, you know, I guess we got a little bit extra time today. So please guys jump in um, if you can. And Patty will be relying on, as the only Englishman on the pod, your knowledge of this. So I, I did want to start with just the fact that Burton is actually called Burton upon Trent or Burton on Trent or just Burton uh, for, for short. It's in uh, Staffordshire, which is a little bit southwest of South Yorkshire. Does that sound right, Patty? Over yeah, it's, towards... like, it's like near Nottingham, Derby area. It's on the how, train. How, how, how the far? Train. How far of a trip? Maybe, I don't know, half an hour on a train? It's not bad. Um, now, I did laugh because last year when we were looking at a lot of these teams, and I have always kind of joked that, uh, you know, all these towns are famous because the king once stopped there or there was a market. Well, this is how Burton started is that, there was a couple of famous battles there in like the English civil war. And uh, it was a quote unquote market town, which popped up all over, basically just a way station in the middle of nowhere for people to stop in and do trading from the surrounding areas. Um, it is a town that is famous for its brewing. Um, and I believe that brewing started with uh, Burton Abbey, which is a very famous old church there. And I think they had some connection to it. So it's not a big town. It's about 80,000 people. Um, and so it took them until 1950 to get their own football team. That is the Brewers, which is a great, great name for a team. Uh, they started out in the 11th tier in 1950 of British football and more or less did nothing until 2006. They had a little bit of an impact. They had a, a famous FA Cup uh, giant killing or at least uh, – holding uh, Man U to a nil-nil draw um, before taking 11,000 fans to uh, over to Man U for the replay, which they lost. Um, in 2009, they finally made the EFL. And if we recall, uh, we saw them a couple times uh, in the championship a few years ago. Uh, unfortunately, we, are, we have never defeated Burton Albion. And in fact, the last time we played them, they were sitting in 22nd place in the championship, came to Hillsborough and beat us three to nothing. Uh, if anybody's interested, right. yeah, go look up the lineup for that game. It was bad. Like definitely Jacob Butterfield starting in the middle of the midfield. Like there were a few names like, you, you know, Ross Wallace on his last legs. Like it's, it was a tough, it was a tough look um, at that. And then I think Burton Albion is sort of on everybody's radar and it had come up for their run in the league cup a few years ago uh, where they famously drew city in the two legged semifinal and lost uh, nine to nothing at the Etihad before putting up a respectable one, nothing loss back at their uh, park. So you guys should know the uh, current manager is uh, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. Um, who has he's bounced quite around? The, he's quite the League One, League Two journeyman manager at this point. I feel like 
He's been just about everywhere. He started Burton and then go somewhere else and come back to Burton. They've been there twice now. Yes, that's correct. This is his second trip. He was at Burton 2014-15, I believe, and then jumped to go to, had an opportunity to go to, uh, you know, Derby or QPR or Reading. It's QPR. Slight, slightly bigger club, yeah. And uh, Didn't go too and, well, right? And do that. No. Uh, Who's the last no, manager that's had success at QPR? The current one. They're doing all yeah, right, aren't they? Yeah. I don't, don't pay attention yeah. to the championship Mike, at this well, point. Mike Warburton, I think. Hmm. Yeah. Um, well, and, and Hasselbeck, don't forget, too, uh, was involved with that uh, scandal that took down Big Sam, where they were uh, they, they were setting people up and videotaping conversations. And, and he had agreed to uh, you know connect with some foreign investment agent in order to get footballers from a certain region. So it was almost a surprise he came back in, but um he he did very well with them last year and got them um out of relegation places and and playing pretty well this year they're sitting in 13th um eight wins uh four draws 10 losses uh minus four goal difference 24 versus 28 they're on a current uh streak where they lost two one two lost two but what i noticed is that they are kind of doing what they need to do they beat doncaster who's, I believe, at the bottom of the table. They beat Ackerton Stanley, and then they turned around and lost to Wickham and Rotherham, teams at the top of the table. So uh, they really are a mid-table team that we're dealing with. I did think it was interesting. They're actually pretty good at home, uh, six wins and a plus-six goal difference. On the road, uh, two wins and a minus-10. Is this game at home, Justin? Because I know there's been, uh, we've had some issues with that on recent previews. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, right. <laughs> this game this game is indeed at Hillsborough, which right, yeah. should bode well for us because we have. I do I not back check year, these to be clear. That's quite all right. Um, yeah, we have, I think we've gotten past the, uh, hey, your team needs a record broken. Well, here mm. comes Wednesday to <laughs> uh, set things straight. Uh I, I did also have a bit of a laugh when I was looking at Burton Albion there. They are out of the FA Cup. They are out of the EFL Cup. They are out of the uh, Pizza Cup. And then I did note they are also out of the uh, Birmingham Senior Cup. So <laughs> that counts championship. Does that counts good. Focusing, uh, it's the Birmingham Senior Cup. It might it's, even be more local than the county championship. I don't know. Uh, we love a county cup on these. We do love program. a county cup. <laughs> <laughs> we need it. We need it. We need it. Um, anyway, so again, a, a pretty bang average squad by all accounts. Um, w- what we're going to be looking at is they run a four-two-three-one, but un- unlike most of the four-two-three-one sort of four-three-threes, uh, this plays more like an old English four-four-two. They love long balls out the back. Um, that's that's the bag. They get it to their. Uh, center backs or their full backs and they boot it long. They love bypassing the midfield um, and, and try to get it. They usually will attack down the left side. They like to get it up to the wingers, do a real quick knockdown flick on, um, you know, send the wingers in and the winger from there can either cut in and shoot or try to cross uh, the ball. It's not a team that likes possession football. I, I have a feeling we're going to have a lot of the ball and it's going to be a matter of, what we do with it. They don't press very much, although they'll, they'll put a little bit of pressure higher up. But if we sort of pin them back into their third, they'll go into a more or less, you know, four five, one type of shape and, uh, and hole up. Uh, 
guy to watch for, interesting guy to watch for for them is a, a, one of their defensive midfielders, Thomas O'Connor. Um, just looking at him, he's got five goals this year, all of them with his left foot and four of them from outside the box. So, you know, I think he's a late arriving uh, guy who, you know, cleans up some of that mess in the middle uh, with a big left foot. Pay attention this look- time Wednesday tacticians to players yeah. that score outside the box. <laughs> yes, true. Twine, uh, nobody listened on Twine, huh? Um, but their, their two attacking uh, wingers are Johnny Smith and Lucas Atkins, who both have three goals and three assists. And those are going to be the guys they want to get the ball to. And those guys will do the damage or look to get it into uh, uh, 18-year-old. They, Daniel Jebison has been their leading scorer at center forward. But this is a squad that does tend to, to rotate some players around. I wasn't sure if it's because of injury or just heavy squad rotation. Um, I don't think we're going to see anything particularly exciting. I, I do think with us at home and feeling a little more confident, we will hold on to the ball and they will kind of shell up. Um, I did note uh, searching some Burton Albion uh, Twitter accounts, and there's a guy who seems to know their tactics very well. Uh, they've been using three at the back recently, but I guess their wingbacks tend to get up too high and get exposed. So if they're going three at the back with us, um, it may be an opportunity for us to get some some wide players behind their uh, wingbacks and, and maybe attack from there against their slightly less mobile center backs. Of course, we don't know uh, if this match will happen or who will be available to be picked in the squad. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy right now. You know, it, it really is. It's, I get it. It seems but... today that EFL will come out and uh, said that they plan to go ahead as promised. And then I think they've put a bit more rules in place, at least updated the rules about what you need to have uh, to be able to play a game. And I think that's 13 fit players. <laughs> it's like, I don't Ooh. It's tough because you're seeing this, I think, with the with the NBA too in the US is you know that one of the NBA's biggest days is Christmas. It's their big national TV day. They have a lot of their marquee matchups. I think you're gonna see this with the EFL and the Premier League as well, where they're not gonna want to give away these holiday fixtures. They're not gonna wanna postpone them. They're you know, they're they're big draws and it it congests the fixture schedule even more on the back of it. So I don't, you know, I hope these I hope this is out of an abundance of caution. I hope that you know Wednesday can 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 go forward and like we, we only you know we already saw last year with Darren Moore it's like this is Darren Moore had pneumonia and spent time in the in the hospital on a very serious case and you hope that doesn't happen again and you hope this is just you know as we've seen uh, certainly Patty's seen in the in the New York area and I've seen in Connecticut to an extent too with Omicron it's uh you know it's just it's just everywhere at this point and I understand that you know you don't want these players in training and you don't want to want matches going forward. If you have widespread uh, positive tests within the club and you just hope that it, you know, it, it clears up quickly and that, I mean, just clears up quickly period, but you know, well, I think they are saying now you have to be vaccinated uh, to get into the um, grounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wednesday part of that long um email explaining what to do we actually got a, a nice email from the club um as well for anyone that's listens to podcasts uh, internationally and looking to go to the game and boxing day um you can show your international vaccination card whereas previously um they were saying you have to register with the nhs and upload it to their, to their app which my which jamie just found out takes two weeks to do um but we got a, um 
confirmation from the EFL's um, communications officer through the club that they will accept um, the approved international vaccination cards too. So I can walk in there with my US fax card, hopefully on Boxing Day, uh, and get to the game. Yeah, you raised a great point, Jeff, about the, you know, everybody's trying to do the marquee matchups. Uh, hockey right now, the NHL has seen a lot of shutdowns. And part of it, they've even said, is because they, they don't want to miss the Winter Classic, which is their New Year's Day outdoor game. Right. That's sort of the big, big fixture of the year. And they um, also have the built-in <clears throat> Olympic period, which I, I suspect a lot of the players are not going to go to the Olympics now, so I, they can I make think, up the games think, there. That's the, the current rumor, right, is yeah. that the, the players are not in. Although, honestly, you know, they're talking about the Olympics in themselves may end up getting delayed, um, which may not be the worst idea. Um, I, I, I do think it's interesting, though, you're seeing um, certain sports more than others. But, you know, the one we're discussing here with, with football is really not doing anything for player safety. Right. There, there's nothing for player safety. It's all about maximizing the profits that they can get. Right. They have one big thing for player safety. It's called vaccines, Justin. <laughs> but, but apparently, a quarter of the players in the NFL don't want one. <clears throat> yeah. Well, there's a lot of misinformation out there. Um, I was listening you know, to the. Uh, is, but... I was listening to the football ramble this week, and he was talking. They were talking about what like, Kevin De Bruyne was saying after the, the Manchester City game, and he obviously had had COVID last, I don't know, it was earlier this season or, or last spring. And he's saying that he still doesn't feel up to a hundred percent yet. Yeah. 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 No, there's, there's, there's a lot, but and the but line for, especially the line these... for line for high performance athletes, I think especially is, you know, whatever, if I look, I would prefer, I, you know, I've done everything I can in the last 20 months not to get this. Uh, you know, I've got my vaccines <laughs> and I've got my booster and, you know, if I get it and it's, you know, it's whatever, if it's, you know, you know, hopefully you hope it's just a, like a, a cold and you have mild symptoms and, but yeah, I, I'm not required to use my lungs in the same way that Kevin De Bruyne is, you know, day in and day out. No, that's, that's a livelihood. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, you, you just don't, you just don't get the feeling that these leagues, not that they ever really care about the players, but this just jamming so many fixtures together um, and, and, and trying to do this over the last, you know, what, like you said, Jeff, 20 months. I, I really appreciate that it's on. I think all of us yeah. really enjoy That's the it other thing, right? It. As we want to, as much as we complain but, about Wednesday football, like it was, uh, you know, uh, a break, right? Even when they were playing in empty stadiums, it was, you know, 90 minutes or two hours just that you could get away for a little bit. And that's, I don't, I, that's important, but it's not that important, right? Right. But yeah, I know. Yeah, no, I, well, listen, I'm, I'm obviously rooting, rooting for this to, to go forward. The Boxing Day is one of my favorite, uh, yeah. favorite things about, about football, just the, the tradition of it and, and knowing that it's always there. I'm going to be visiting some in-laws outside of Schenectady. There's a really cool uh, German beer house who uh, shows all the games. Um, they, they obviously won't be showing Wednesday, but I'll be able to. All the games, but not Wednesday. <laughs> no, I'll be able to eye follow that at uh, my sister-in-law's house and then head out there for yeah. hopefully catch a uh, catch an afternoon game. 
You've listened to episode 160 of the Owls America. You can find us on the internet at owlsamericas.com. Email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com and find and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Owls Americas. Our podcast intro and bumpers are my fellow Wednesdays, Reverend and the Makers. Podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbean, probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. Wherever you choose to consume the Owls Americas, we ask you rate and review the show. It helps more Wednesdays find our ramblings. Justin is on Twitter at New England Owl. Justin, what's your favorite German beer? I don't know that I have a favorite German beer, but I like <laughs> I like Box. You like Box? Well, they, like, you have a I lot like of Box. There's a lot of Box available to you in the uh, in the German range of beers. Patty is on Twitter at Patty A. Jones and at New York Owls. Patty, what is your favorite Yorkshire beer? My favorite Yorkshire beer. Hmm, good one. Um, there is, I think, the Black Sheep Brewery, um, which is quite close to where I'm from. Um, very good kind of like English ales. Mm. Uh, I was looking through the list of um, brewers in Burton, and I didn't really know that the, I know obviously they're called the brewers, but it's like the birthplace of most English uh, ale. Like I could go down the list of people that set up shop there in the 1800s, and you'll know a lot of the names. So um Bass, for instance, Worthington, Boddington's, Marston. You like Truman, a Boddington. Truman's Brewery in London it was founded there. And then obviously um, Bass and Worthington's were bought by Coors, and Coors still has a, a base there um, from 2000. They've been there, the UK arm of the Molson Coors Brewing Company is still in Burton and Trent. So what a, I didn't know this, what a, what a storied history of uh, beer in uh, Burton and Trent. I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro. Uh, Connecticut has a slightly less storied brewing history, but uh, I think my favorite Connecticut beer right now is probably the uh, the Kent Falls Yeesh. Their, their Pilsner, I think, is my go-to at the moment. And we will see you next week. 